Good morning. Hey, I'm, again, Pastor Mark. Welcome. Uh, we are, as we mentioned, kicking off a new little sermon series here called God is... You fill in the blank, right? And here's the thing. We get... Uh, it, it's really hard to understand God. I mean, that's kind of a simple statement, isn't it? Uh, but it's more difficult when there are just so many voices all around us, so many ideas about God, perceptions of God, based on people's experiences, which are all mixed and all, just all over the place, all, comes, uh, all kinds of backgrounds and foundations and uh, uh, value systems, uh, all influence how they all see God. And so even for us, uh, whose understanding of God is, is founded in his word, uh, we live in this world constantly bombarded right, with all of these ideas, meaning of life, and who is God, and who are we, who, how do we relate to God. It's really important in this series, is in one way it's very elementary, right? it's very back to the basics, uh, but that's really important for us to get back into God's word and be able to answer that question, be able to fill in that blank with the truth. And so we're going to look at a number of attributes of God. But today we're going to start with a foundational attribute. We're going to talk about how God is merciful. He's merciful. And there's actually several attributes kind of uh, in this vein of who God is. And we're going to look at that and kind of they overlap, but also kind of they're actually very distinct. And again, fundamentally, right, it's important that we do uh, make those unique distinctions to who God is. Now, maybe you are hurting today. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you are just overwhelmed with anxiety. I'm going to start with the the first reading Linda read for us in Lamentations. That was actually written by a man named Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he went through many dangers, troubles, toils, and snares in his life. He had a, if you looked at it objectively, you say that was a pretty miserable life. It was rough uh, following God uh, for Jeremiah. And we get to Lamentations, and you just think the name of the book, right? The Lament. Right, he gets to Lamentations and he says, basic, basic translation, people stink. Life's not fair. And I hurt. My body is breaking down. And I struggle financially. And my soul gets crushed and devastated. Now, Jeremiah, you know, in Lamentations, it, it's said more bible than that, but essentially, if that's what you're going to translate it today, that's what he says. And this is what, the way he wrote it. He said, remember my affliction. It's like, I remember. I always remember my afflictions and my wanderings around through life. What is my purpose? I remember the wormwood and the gall, the, the bitterness that I have tasted of life. He says, my soul continually remembers it, and it, my soul, is bowed down within me. It is crushed. The weight of it all drives me to the ground. I can't even stand under it all, all the way. And he says, but this 
I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. What is this, this? That for all of the hurting, he has hope. Hope, even when he's hurting tremendously. What is the this? Well, it's the next verse. This is the steadfast love of the Lord. Why does that give you hope, Jeremiah? It's because it never ceases. What else gives you hope? His mercies. Why why does his mercies give you hope? Because they never come to an end. They're new every morning. Despite all of the hurt, Jeremiah, why do you have hope? Because great is God's faithfulness. And I hold on to that truth, that attribute, that truth that I know about God. God's mercy never ends. And today, today it is my honor uh, to talk to you today about the mercy of God. Now, when we talk about the attributes of God, one of the things uh, that we struggle with is that there's so many of them. And they all kind of seem to come together in kind of this soupy stew. And you start thinking about God as omnipotent and he's everlasting and he's a, a transcendent and omniscient and self-righteous and on and on and on and on and on. And all of these things just kind of go together. And it's true again, some of them uh, are very layered. Some of them overlap with each other. But again, there's also some very clear and important uh, distinctions. So we get back to the the fundamentals. I want to talk about three of these attributes with you today. There's justice, there is grace, and there is mercy. And again, they seem to kind of overlap, right? Let's look at the distinctions and then we'll see why it's so important. Now, I will say also, uh, this is a very complex topic, right? This whole series, we're describing God, we're talking about his attributes, God is this, this, and this, and this. Very complex. But what I'm going to try to do today, it's what I try to always do today when we talk about something, I'm going to try to make it very simple. Okay, so we're going to start very simple. And then we're going to try to confuse you if we can. Now we're going to go deeper. We're going to try to go deeper. We're going to start very simple. So very simple. First of all, God is just. Now what is justice? Well, justice is getting what you deserve. When you see a news story, somebody does something horrific, and we say, let justice be served, right? Let justice get him. Get what he deserves. God is gracious. What is grace? Well, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve, like salvation, heaven, right? Do you deserve that? No. Can you earn it? No way. We are saved by grace. It's a gift. We get what we don't deserve. And then God is merciful. And what is mercy? Well, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Now, here's the thing. Now, we want justice for people, unless it's us, right? And then we want mercy. An example. 
you're going home on Scottsdale Road this afternoon and some crazy lunatic driver blows by you, swerves in front of you, swerves back the other way, and boy, you hope some cop catches him, right? And you really hope that you're there to drive by and watch them parked on the side of the road. <laughs> Justice. But let's say you've got a, a reservation for brunch and you come up to an intersection and you have to kind of run a yellow light, right? But a cop saw, sees you, catches you, pulls you over. Do you want justice? No, you want mercy, right? Right, mercy. You don't want to get what you deserve. That's the, that's, that's kind of the thing. We want justice for everybody else. We want mercy for ourselves. But here's the good news. God is merciful, isn't that awesome? Now, uh, Paul, Paul was a New Testament writer, preacher, evangelist, missionary. And uh, at one point, uh, he was writing to the church in Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. Uh, he talks about, he, he contrasts what our lives were like before Christ with contrasting that with, with God's mercy when we do have Jesus. So he starts off without Christ. And he says, without Christ, you were dead in the trespasses and the sins in which you walked following the course of this world. So without Christ, you are spiritually dead. You're done for. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit does not work in the sons of disobedience, you're dead in your trespasses, and now you are obeying the devil. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So we're dead in our sins, dead in a doornail, spiritually, spiritually dead. We're obeying the devil, and we are slaves to the passions of our own bodies and minds. And because of all of that, by nature, we are children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Because we are covered by nature and by will, we do so many bad things, say bad things, think bad things. We are under the wrath, the anger of God. It is shining down upon us, the anger of God. Now, now we're getting more complex because now we're thinking, wait a second, Pastor. Every Sunday I come in here, you and Pastor Jeremy, you're up here. God is love. God is love. God is love. He loves you. God is so loving. And you have to ask the question, how can a loving God be an angry God. Well, I want to teach you that it is possible, absolutely normal even, for love and anger to, to coexist. Let me give you some examples. And these are analogies. They all break down at some point uh, because we're not God, but uh, you'll, you'll get the point. Let's say you have a child, and one day your child lies to you. And you know it's a bold face. You already know the truth. You're just asking to give them a chance to confess, and they just lie to your face. Now, you love, you love your child, but at the same time, you'd be very angry that they lied to you. 
The love and the anger can coexist. Let's say you have a friend, a friend who drinks too much and drinks and drives. And you, you can absolutely, you love your friend, but you can still be very angry that they're putting himself or herself and, and others in grave danger. It can coexist. Wives, you love your husbands, of course. But when they leave the toilet seat up, come on! How many times we gotta say, right? You may be praying, God, help me love him. Maybe you don't love him in that moment, okay? But the love and the anger, right, they can coexist. And so with God, right? God always loves you, all of us. But at the same time, he can get mad when we wreck his creation, when we hurt other people. The horrible things that happen in the world, that's not pleasing to God. It makes him angry. Of course it does. So it's maybe hard to hold them both together, but just understand it's absolutely normal in our lives to have that love and anger coexisting different points in time uh, over people that are near and dear to us. Now, remember what Paul said. We just read those verses. Dead in our sins, obeying the devil, basically slaves to our own bodies and minds, doing whatever, whatever our bodies tell us to do, no discipline at all there. And because of all of that, we are under the wrath of God. But then comes the two greatest words in the Bible, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God. Being what? He's rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But God, rich in mercy, not giving us what our sins deserve. I know sometimes you get frustrated in life and and you just get upset that God's not fair. Well, sometimes we need to say, thank God he's not fair because I would get what my sins deserve, the wrath and the anger of God. But he is rich in mercy. God is merciful. Is everybody still tracking with me here? We got kind of very simple. We got a little more deeper. Everybody still good? Or are we getting too deep? I was saying, hoping you'd say no. But okay, we'll go deeper. That's fine. Another really confusing thing that people have. Uh, I talk to people all the time. Don't go to church. I love it. Love those conversations. But I learn a lot of things too about their perspectives of the world. So a lot of people ask, okay, what's going on? You've got this, you've got this Old Testament God who is this mean, vengeful, strike him dead, right? And then you got this New Testament God. And he's like this kind of a pushover God. He's kind of wink at sin. It's like, it's okay, it's no big deal. And how does that, it's because their perspective is completely off. They don't see the whole picture, okay? Uh, this theology of God is really kind of based on a worldview that starts in Genesis Three, and it ends in Revelation 20. And no, that's not the last chapter of Revelation, right? 
It starts in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve fall. They disobey God. They sin. But even there, if you really, if you're paying attention, right, uh, they sin, they're embarrassed, they're shamed. God comes down. What does he do? Does he, does he just strike them dead right there with a lightning bolt? Make two little black charred spots in the new blades of grass he just created? No. No, he's merciful. It's always merciful. He comes down. He says, okay, there are, okay there's going to be consequences. Yes, absolutely. There's going to be pain in childbirth, and you're going to have to work a lot during your life. Okay? But, right, there's a promise coming. Right? There is a, 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 a cure for sin that I'm going to bring into the world. Uh, there is merciful from the beginning to the end. And then Revelation 20, of course, is, is the judgment for sin, the condemnation, the, the eternal damnation. And so too many people have this theology of God that starts with, I'm a sinner, I'm going to hell. Or you are a bad person, you are going to hell. You've messed up, you've made God angry at you, you're going to hell. But Genesis chapter 3 is not the beginning of the story of God. And Revelation 20 is not the end of the story of God. Where do you think it starts? Genesis chapter 1, where God creates everything, and then he says, it's all good. It's beautiful. He said, the mountains are good. The lakes and the rivers are good. The deserts are good. The birds are good. The fish are good. The dogs are good. And the cats are... <laughs> he doesn't actually say. <laughs> Specifically, he doesn't say. But he does say all, all of the things that he created are good. And then he creates humans, and he doesn't say that they're good. He said, wow, people, wow, they're very good very good and with each new morning his mercies are there because yes then you get to Genesis 3 yes uh, God says to Adam and Eve hey you're good the, the creation is good enjoy it party in the garden right just don't just don't eat the fruit from this one tree this one tree stay away from of course, like any one of us, you say, tell us not to do something or not to say something, we got to do it, right? Don't touch the stove, you got to touch the stove. Whatever it is, don't peek in the box, you got to peek in the box. So there they go, they fell. It's human sinful nature. But again, God's mercy, right? God's mercy is what we see in that story. Not his judgment, not his condemnation, not his anger and his wrath. And then at the very, very end, it's actually Revelation 21 and 22, where we see the new heavens and the new earth. God's gonna recreate this whole world. Our bodies won't get cancer or the, or the coronavirus or anything, broken, broken bones, nothing. It's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be wonderful. And when God says, my mercies are new every morning, it means it's the same yesterday, my mercies are there today, my mercy is gonna be there tomorrow. And just to give you an idea of how important mercy is to God, if you read through the Bible and you get through uh, the Old Testament there, there's some instructions 
in the Old Testament, how God wanted uh, his people to build his temple, his holy temple, which is going to be his residence. It's going to be his presence with the people in his temple, in the Holy of Holies. And he gives such specific instructions. It goes on for chapters and chapters, every little detail, I promise, it makes you want to skip that day of Bible reading. It is boring. Sorry, Pastor Jeremy, if I offend you, but it is boring. It's this many cubits long, this many cubits wide, this many cubits high, and this is where you put the gold, this is how you build the portico, this is how you build the storage room, and the basin, and the altar, and the candlesticks, and use gold and silver, and, and bronze, and here's the acacia wood. Ah, on and on. But then he says, among all these instructions, he says, in the middle of my house, right in the center of my house, I want you to build a mercy seat, the seat of atonement, this, the mercy seat. And what are you saying? You always make room for mercy in my house. Right? And mercy is at the center of my house. Mercy is at the center of my will. And so my question to all of us and all of us across our whole country ourselves Christians is why is it that the people who have received the most mercy are sometimes the most stingy with giving it out? Why is it that we've had such a terrible reputation of being so judgmental to other people when we have received infinite mercy, complete and total forgiveness? No questions asked. It's a challenge, it's a challenge. So kind of my line is, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, none of us are ever gonna be perfect, so we don't demand perfection. And we're all messed up. I'm messed up and you're messed up, no offense. Let's just all go to Jesus and let him straighten us out. And so we, Invite people to come to Jesus, right, just as they are. Come. Come with your lies. Come with your drug or substance abuse problems. Come with your anxiety and depression. Come with your hatred and your anger towards family members or the church. Come as you are. Come to Jesus. Because his mercies are new every morning. They never end. How about this? Come with your questions and your doubts. Well, some churches say you can't have doubts. No, no questions. Get and people leave the church. And I'm thinking, where else are they going to take their doubts if you can't come to God? And you think God hasn't heard it before? I mean, we're not the first people to live and do life together in this crazy world and try to find God and peace. Come, come with your doubts. How about this? How about this? Come with your complaints. Hey, now you think you got some complaints about the church? I've been living and working on the inside for like 13 years now. I guarantee you my list is longer than yours. All right? But come, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. His mercies are new every morning. So, Justice, getting what you deserve. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. Salvation, heaven. And mercy, not getting 
what you deserve. God's wrath and God's anger. Now this is the deepest, this is the most complex part of the message today. We talk about this, these attributes of God. How? How can God have perfect justice and perfect grace and mercy? The wages of sin is death. That's the rule. When somebody sins, someone's gotta die. It's that simple. The punishment for sin is death. We're, we're dead in our trespasses when we were born. So how does God resolve this? Now, in one sense, this is, again, it's God, it's beyond our comprehension, but this is what we can see and what we can understand. God's justice is perfect. He is always just. He always will be just. He never, never varies on that. So he says, I don't want you to die. You sinned, someone has to die, but I don't want you to die. Tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take your punishment for you. Wow. Jesus, God, in the, comes in the flesh. And he takes the entire wrath of God poured out upon him on the cross as he bears the sins of the world. Yours, mine, everybody's. The entire wrath, anger, punishment, even damnation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Separated from God. And then he gives to us, what? God's, Jesus' perfect life. Perfect justice, yes. And perfect mercy and grace for me and you. It's, it's just an incredible gift. And some of you may say, yes, I believe that God is merciful but I still hurt. I still have a very difficult situation in my life or relationship or a disease or struggles with doubt or anger and holding grudges and resentment. God's mercies are new every morning. That means before a new day gives birth, his mercy is already there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, his mercy was there at the very beginning in Genesis 1, and it is there at the very end in Revelation 22, and it is always, always here for us. God is always merciful. This is the foundational attribute God is, right, that we're gonna build the rest of this series on, but me and you, what we can do is build our lives on Whatever you're hurt, whatever the trial or tribulation is, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. His arms are wide open to welcome you in. And so are mine. So are Pastor Jeremy's. Our arms are wide open to welcome you in. Amen? Always. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are beyond our comprehension. We stand in awe, just even thinking about you for a few minutes. And yet we thank you for revealing to us uh, the truth of your, of your nature, uh, of how much you love us. Uh, we know you are just and perfect in all your ways. We also know that you are merciful and gracious. And Lord, give us the confidence to know that all of our sins are forgiven. All of our guilt has been taken away and by the power that you give us in, in, in your Holy Spirit, Lord, we can face 
anything that comes our way. We can get up every single morning rejoicing that, hey, we didn't get what we, our sins deserve. But we get this brand new day, a fresh, shiny new day, a uh, gift from you, and we get to live it according to your will, uh, loving our friends and our family, blessing them with our time, our, our gifts, our services to each other. And we just pray you encourage us, encourage each and every one of us here uh, when we are troubled to turn to you and to lean in and trust in your mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.